Hello all, it's Hampshire Fans Podcast here. I'm Ian Pearce and with me is Amanda. Hi, hello everybody. And George, hi. Hello. So I hope you've all had a good winter. It's been probably about four months since we last recorded something, looking back on the momentous season that was 2021. And now we're going to start thinking about what 2022 is going to bring us. What do we think then? So there's lots to talk about, a number of things to cover. So I suppose let's look at the new signings and how things are shaping up. Amanda, do you want to go first on um, the new signings we've had, just to bring everyone up to speed? I think the new arrivals include Ben Brown, Ben McDermott for T20. Yeah. Uh, and that chap, um, Aniron Donald, um, mm. that we're very much looking forward to see properly. Um, so that's really exciting, actually. Um, and um, Mohamed Abbas as well, which I was really pleased about. I kind of just assumed we would get him back again. Um, I, I just I just take took that as red, really. So I'm really pleased about that. Yeah, so interesting. Uh, ben Brown, don't know too much about. Um, I'm assuming he's going to be keeping in Red Bull cricket. I don't know. With maybe um, Lewis McManus perhaps being a bit more specialist white ball. I don't know what the thinking is there. I don't know whether they even share it with the existing team when they do all these signings or whether everybody's like playing catch up like the rest of us uh, when we see them all. Um, Don't know anything about the Aussie guy for the T20 because he's Australian and I don't care to even uh, think about anything to do with Australia (laughs) because I'm so parochial, as we know. But I expect George is is up on all the stats of everybody. So I, I will leave it up to George to tell us all about this new Australian bloke. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah so and uh, yeah and I forgot about Ross Whiteley actually because that was quite early on in the sort of signings season if you like which begins from like November onwards so um, yeah good good to see that you know with Ben Brown we're we're sort of shoring up our batting in the middle order I guess uh, which everybody's desperate to do but yeah interesting stuff yeah, what are your thoughts, George, on, on the signing? Should we go through each one in turn? So Ben Brown, I'm hugely excited by this signing. And I think it shows that we really want to have another good go at the championship. That exactly. One wicket away. And there's nothing wrong with the bowling, is there? That you've got Abbas and Abbott will return as overseas bowler. And there's no pair out there as good as those two, as far as I'm concerned. Keith Barker obviously support them very well. Um, Liam Dawson and Mason Crane, who's just had a contract extension signed. And Mm. I said when we last spoke in October that I really hope that Crane is trusted more and given more opportunities. Mm. Um, Brad Will as well. So Ben Brown, I think, could be that key to getting this championship. Definitely. I'm so impressed and excited by that signing. Ben Brown has been someone who's been around the county circuit for quite a number of years now. I got up to the nursery ground um, to see him play before when I actually was working at Hampshire a few years ago in my gap year. I remember he was just coming back from injury, so he was captaining the second 11 against us down the nursery ground and just a really nice guy, firstly, cricket brain, 
was second to none um, and just really impressed by the way he carried himself. What we've got in Ben Brown is a is a first class player who probably will never play international cricket, but yet averages 40 plus uh, and is a very competent keeper as well. So really, there's no there's no real chance, even with England's woes, of him being taken away from us. But yet we've got a really rare special talent that you don't get in the county circuit a lot these days now. Um, he was hard done by Sussex massively. Why they chose to let him go, I have no idea. Maybe there was something more political going on behind the scenes. But their loss really is our gain. And he's got a point to prove now. And just think, you know, it, from a wider point, given the frustration and upset we all felt at the end of the season, being one wicket away, you're up there and, you know, I'm sure <laughs> you might need counselling for about 20 years to get over that. I well, if we win will. it next year um, or this year, it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> the, the therapy's helping for me, I must admit, but, you know, um, but it would be really easy for us to lick our wounds and say, do you know what? Oh, I'm just not sure. And be a bit hurt, Bunny. Our recruitment process has been second to none. And I'm so genuinely excited for this next season we're um, just really impressed we've got everything that we it feels like the fans are almost at the table because I think a lot of the decisions that have been made we as fans would want to make uh, and I just feel there's a real buzz around the place at the moment and we're all heading in the same direction I'm sure us being Hampshire it might not end well but you know at least we're starting with real positivity um, and it's really good to see also what's rightly I must mention is the only one we didn't mention as a signing Ross Whiteley's come in as a one day specialist I think that's a good signing as well just to mention someone that we didn't mention in the in the um, pre-build and I just think all of them are just amazing but Ben Brown leads that line for me and seriously impressed yeah so what what do you think will happen I mean I think the interviews I've seen with Brown that he's done since signing suggested that he was perfectly happy just to play as a batsman so people that are perhaps a real McManus fan can be comforted by that perhaps that there's room for both in the side. Do you know what way would you would play it, Amanda? Would you play both? Would you choose one? I don't know, really. I think it always the HR angle always worries me when you get new signings about do people get a bit like ticked off in the dressing room about, oh, well, so that's me told then. But mm. there's nothing wrong with having a couple of really good keepers in your squad because I forget what match it was um, about, was it three, uh, four years ago, three years ago there? I think was it us and Essex, there ended up being about six keepers in the one innings because everybody got hit on the head or something or other. So there's there's nothing wrong with having some depth in your squad, I guess. Um, oh. it, it concerns me a bit like when we were talking about um, Mason Crane in our last pod about, you know, do we trust people enough? It just worries me that if somebody would get a bit kind of, OK, maybe I'm not trusted in a particular role in the team when they bring somebody new in. But, you know, if if it's all about the batting, but a little bit of strengthening with the keeping side. I mean, I don't know much too much about Ben Brown. Um, George is obviously our resident um, Sussex spy. <laughs> um, so, it, you know, it, it's and, and I, the bits I've seen on social media have been around Red Bull cricket with him, you know, and focusing on that. So that that, you know, like George, that makes me happy because I'm a. I'm a Red Bull fan, so um, I would take that over the other stuff any day, really. Um, but yeah, I, there's, there's, if there's room for everybody, great. But I wouldn't want, um, you know, Lewis McManus to sort of think, okay, well, that's me out of the four day game then, because 
then there must be room for everybody. And like I say, if Ben Brown is going to be a specialist batsman, then yeah, great. Let's let's sort our batting out if we can. What people probably need to remember that even if McManus, for example, doesn't start the season, that there are 14 games that yeah. keepers break fingers batsmen injure themselves and so on and so on so even if he doesn't start the season in the 11 things can change very quickly and you find yourself back in that so he shouldn't be too disheartened if he's feeling under pressure because there will be chances and he's just got to make the most of it and take them and I guess there's nothing wrong with a bit of competition either is there yeah and again it's one of those where everybody screams for batting and we as George mentioned, averages over 40 in first-class cricket. There's not many of those around. When you think about been all the people they've called up for the England squad this winter, and most of those average nowhere near 40. Exactly. So that is really excellent. And as I mentioned, I really hope that's the missing piece in the jigsaw. So other signings, yeah, we, we did mention Ross Whiteley. He's come over in the... I think there's a bit of an angle perhaps with Southern Brave that he was playing for them. So he's got a bit of a feel for the adjust bowl. I've always seen him be very destructive as a finisher for Worcestershire. And Mm. again, it's one of those things where it also shows that, again, after Edgbaston heartbreak and the finals day performance, that um, we want to have a real good go at T20 as well, don't we? Yeah, it's about time. We've had some lean years, haven't we, in T20? So, yeah, it is good. I mean, it's it's not my, you know, I, I mean, I loved finals day last year. It's not my favourite format of the game. But, you know, yeah, let's give it a go. Why not? It's interesting, you know, George saying about, you know, it's like Hampshire been listening to the fans around. What do we really want? We really want that four day championship. <laughs> and yeah, we want the we want the um, one day stuff as well, because we're, we're so used to it. Maybe we've got a bit complacent. As a team, we just assume we're going to do okay. It's a bit of a shock to the system when it's really poor. So, yeah, good signing. Well, last year, I think, is one of those where, again, the T20 was obviously really, really strong 10 years ago when we won the white ball double. And then we had a sort of few years where it was a bit iffy in T20. And then last year sort of clicked again out of nowhere. But you did feel a bit, as we talked about in the last pod, where a, we kind of rode our luck, and B, you kind of felt that this squad wasn't quite as strong as it could be. So few people announced themselves. We'll talk about Tom Press, for example, a bit later, where it might be worthwhile sort of holding him back a little bit and replacing with the experience of Ross Whiteley. And as we mentioned earlier as well, we've got Nye Donald coming back from a very serious long-term injury, and he feels like a new signing because Mm. we've missed him so much in that format especially yeah absolutely although I saw him a few years ago when he did play for us (laughs) when he did when he did play for us uh, in his first season it was against Warwickshire and at the Aegeus Bowl and I had one of my my friends down to watch and uh, yeah a Warwickshire fan a member and um, yeah he just went off on one Mm. it was just all over the place and it was almost completely out of the blue you know and he thought okay that's that's what you're here for and then of course we've uh, lost him for a couple of years well, uh, that's it. I mean he he could also change things in the four-day game that again mm. he hasn't quite got the first class stats to match his talent so far in his career I was actually down in Cardiff when he made his first class debut against Hampshire when we lifted division two title 
and he made a quick fire 50. And it's one of those where it's not always going to come off. But again, if he makes a game-changing 40 or 50, and again, that was what we actually missed at Lancashire at Liverpool. Don't want to go on about it too much. That <laughs> no, it's Davis, fine, don't worry. Yeah, Alex Davis at Lancashire made 30-odd in no time. And that was, again, another reason why we didn't quite do enough on that day. Nye Donald. Yeah, hugely excited to see him back. Really pleased to um, hear that he's hopefully over the worst with his injuries and things like that and ready to knuckle down. And he'll be one of the first names, I think, on the team sheet in white ball for definite. And he certainly should be in strong contention for a Red Bull place. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, who knows what the weather's going to be like as well, early season. So it's going to be the usual challenges, isn't it, for the Red Bull cricket around conditions. Mm. Mm. Um, don't even re- I don't even know where we're at in terms of regulations with the toss. Are we having that anymore, or is it the away team gets to no, choose? No, I think the it's... toss has returned. I is think it back? Has come back. Yeah, it, it has. It has returned. Yes. Yeah. Well, so what, what you quite often find, weirdly, is April's actually not as hard as people think for batting. The scores are a bit higher, whereas September everybody's batting just. Those dovetails, isn't it? Yeah. So I think that's a factor of in September, everyone's desperate for results. So they'll do whatever they can to try and nick a low scoring win. Whereas in April, you're kind of more in, Mm. well, let's try not to lose. So the pitches Mm. are a little bit flatter than people perhaps expect. And again, yeah, there's so much cricket in April, May, championship wise. We're going to have championship cricket in the middle and late July. And then obviously we have that cram of four fixtures at the end or during September, as like it's always been or has been for about the last 10 years or so. So the other signing we we mentioned, Ben McDermott. I've watched I watched quite a bit of Big Bash this winter. Um, it was a bit odd, uh, Big Bash, because they had a lot of COVID people isolating and things like that. So they're quite regularly calling up people from grade cricket. But Ben McDermott, the Australian international, has signed for Hampshire for the T20 Blast. George, you probably know a bit more about him than perhaps me or Amanda do. Can you tell us what you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, with McDermott, you've got um, a sort of really good steady player who's been involved in a big bash setup for quite a number of years now. Interesting to note that he's broken into the Australian T20 international side after they've just won the T20 World Cup. He played in the last series against Sri Lanka, which I think is quite significant. He got 50 in his first match of the series. He dovetailed a bit after that, but, you know, such as T20. He's got a healthy 30-plus average and a strike rate of 130-plus. So, do you know what? I think for the level that we're at and, and what we need at the moment uh, as, as an opener, someone there, instead of throwing one of our youngsters in, like Toby Albert or somebody might not be ready quite yet, I think having that experience is really key. So... He's a good signing. I think it also shows that I think we've done a little tweak with the recruitment process. I think we're diving into, this is more of a football term, but diving into the black box a bit and and looking at the stats more and thinking, okay, what is a signing that isn't necessarily, you know, a marquee top of the page of the Cricketer magazine sort of signing, but it's something that is smart, something that can work, that is durable, that you can get under the noses of other teams. And I think we're doing it in a really smart fashion. 
Okay. I'm excited to see that. And on a ground that is quite similar to some of the Aussie outgrounds they play at the Big Bash, you know, the bowl's quite similar to that in terms of a, a wicket, in terms of the, the dimensions. I think he'll fit in quite well. We've got quite a good history of Aussie players fitting in well down at Hampshire, especially batsmen. Um, I think he can carry in that same vein. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him. Okay. Data-driven signing then. That's what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah. exactly. Okay. Moneyball signing, Moneyball, yeah. Well, I quite like the idea, though, of, yeah, you kind of get a bit bored sometimes of that that kind of headline, kind of, oh, look, we've got this really exciting player. Because historically, yeah. they've not always done that well when they've signed and played for exactly. Hampshire. Uh, the, the minute they've moved to another team, it's like, oh, wow, they're amazing again. So actually, you know, and, and it's probably good for him as well as a player because it's a bit of a shot window for him, isn't it? To, like, do a bit of county cricket, albeit T20, helps him raise his profile with his national team, putting the, you know, putting the hard yards, as the Aussies would say, in uh, English conditions. So, yeah, probably works for both. And he's probably a bit cheaper than uh, some of your more <laughs> flashier signings. But, you know, like I say, I don't really follow the Australians that much because I'm so wounded from uh, anything to do with Australia <laughs> that, that I'm done. <laughs> and I think also that Abbas and Abbott are Red Bull signings effectively for overseas cricket my guess is that it, there is potentially room for, there will be another t20 signing on the way i don't know if that's something that they'll kind of just wait and see who's available closer to the tournament and probably look at ipl and things like that i guess a- any rumors george you've had or well i know uh, we tried to get wiswan uh, and he went to sussex instead um, I do know that that was on the grapevine. I think you're right. They're going to look at the IPL. They've looked at the PSL as well, which is of a really high standard now in Pakistan. Um, even, I would say, on par with the IPL, the standard of cricket you see there. And a lot of Hampshire players have had interactions of that in the past as well. I think this will be where we look for the marquee signing a little bit more. Um, I think, I know I always hark on about this, but I think Shaki Balasan is actually in the picture. And I'm trying to knock on the door of Rob Brown's going and go, Rod, come on, get Shaki in. But I think we'll go for something bigger um, at the IPR. We'll, we'll keep our, our ears to the ground on that. But yeah, expect some movement is what I would say. Okay. I think George has got shares in something to do with Bangladesh. <laughs> 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 and it's really all a money, it's really all a money-making ploy for George. But you know, that's fine. You know, tourism industry or something is calling you, George. I think maybe. But that's fine. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting, isn't it? That they're, they're yeah, maybe they're holding a space back for somebody that um can come in and um is having a good run of form at some point in one of the, you know, one of those um high sort of visibility tournaments. Yeah, so that, that's not a bad thing, is it? If we think we're okay in every other department, why not? We might get somebody who's in a rich vein of form and will do it for us with bat or ball. Yeah, that's it, because the blast is earlier. The finals day, I think, has been moved to the middle of July as well, so it's kind of quite a short window. So there's also a chance that if you get somebody, you will get them for the whole tournament. Yeah. Sometimes we've had people come along and then finals day has been a month, two months later. Mm. And they haven't been there for that. So I'm massively excited about T20 as much as I am about four day. Four day is my favourite. But um, if there's a cup to be won, then I'm keen keen to see us go for it. And it looks like, again, on who we've recruited, Donald, Whiteley, McDermott, plus obviously 
performers from last year like Vince and Dawson etc that um, I'd be very disappointed not to be a quarterfinal berth at, at the minimum mm. yeah yeah absolutely Definitely. and George can be our lucky charm at the quarterfinal again <laughs> oh, yeah. send me on a train anywhere and I'll be there <laughs> absolutely yeah. I mean, it'd be nice <laughs> to have a home quarterfinal wouldn't it sort of mm. hopefully yeah. get what in theory would be on paper an easier fixture by having a home tie because we'd be one of the top two teams in the south group and be playing one of the third or fourth team from the north but um we never do it the easy way as we know from our many combined years yeah. watching hampshire <laughs> yep <laughs> so as we're in march i said to my wife the other day in march so that means the cricket season's next month so the fixtures came out in january and i started planning away well i could have a day off here and a day off there <laughs> And, oh, that might be good for a week off. So we start the season at home on the 7th of April in the championship to Somerset. So that will be exciting. Again, Somerset didn't have a great end to last season. But uh, again, the last three, four years, they've been in, you know, the top couple of places. So I think that would be a very good yardstick of perhaps how we're going to do. And then if we go right to September, we'll finish our championship away to Warwickshire. So Edgbaston could be where we lift that title. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, you can tell the season hasn't started yet. <laughs> we're, all... <laughs> we're talking about winning trophies. I know. Yeah, that... I mean, I'm, I'm always optimistic come pre-season, no matter what happened before, but because of last year, because of the signings, you know, that optimism is right up here. So, yeah, it's going to be difficult because, yeah, you've got to prepare to be disappointed, but I'm excited. So any fixtures in the four-day game that particularly stand out? Any that you're going to plan to make the trip or... Well, um, yeah, I if I make any matches this season, it'll be a miracle, to be honest. Um, I've got some stuff going on, but um, the first day three of the first home fixture is a Saturday. So I will definitely try and make that. The Isle of Wight, I really fancy that. I think as long as it's a dog friendly ground and I can take my dog, Jimmy, um, Jimmy Anderson, by the way, is my dog. <laughs> He's having having a bit of a rest at the moment, not needed in the Caribbean. Choose him after um, a Hampshire player, then the name. <laughs> no, well, I did. Jimmy I did Adams. Go to, Jimmy Adams. I, well, I, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, Jimmy Adams, my dog. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as long as uh, Isle of Wight is a dog friendly ground, I quite fancy the Isle of Wight because it's a home fixture, but it's not. It's on a different continent almost. Um, and then you know the. Um, Obvious one is uh, Scarbados, which I've seen on Twitter. Certain somebody's already uh, <laughs> done some research around uh, <laughs> camping locations or whatever. But uh, yeah, so I fancy that one definitely. Yeah, I thought we'd um, book up Scarborough, and again, it was going to take my wife and two young children. So it was kind of the choice of hotels wasn't particularly good for how old my children are going to be. And then we found a glamping site that was about three miles out of Scarborough. So we thought, oh, let's give that a try because that should be great fun. And uh, I've been meaning to go to Scarborough for almost forever. So um, it's good that that's come around again. 
it does look amazing though yeah the, the pitch it just looks such a beautiful kind of ground you just think okay that's one to definitely put on the list mm. i think also we've got two trips there at, um the 50 over fixture against yorkshire is also going to be at that ground yes isle of white i'm not sure i'll necessarily make the trip this time but i i went in 2019 i'd certainly recommend it George, what are the fixtures you're looking forward to? Well, I'm going to try and join you in Scarbados on my ones. Um, I really want to be there. I've always wanted to go there. So hopefully I can go on a little holiday and uh, and come and join you. Uh, don't worry, I, yeah, I don't have to camp with you. You can, you can have a few hours away. <laughs> I'll send today. you the link but, to recommend yeah. it. It sounds like it might be the best option anyway, so we'll all be there. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a little little podcast tent. Oh, gosh, yeah, we could. Yeah, let's do it. A, yeah, have a campfire or something. Yeah. Absolutely. Kids, dogs, it'll be amazing. Yeah. Spe- speaking of festivals, I'm also really pumped by Cheltenham, um, and I want to go there to see see that because that's just another great game. I also think, uh, well, I know we've mentioned it, but that last game of the season, that Edge Bastard, it just feels slightly poignant to me at the moment, um, just because, you know, they took it away from us last year. It was also the scene of finals day heartbreak. Um, a lot of championships get won at Edgebaston on the last day of the season. Not ever by Hampshire, but, you know, it just feels like, I don't know, I feel like someone could be riding on that game. And I just can imagine us all now sat down uh, by the pavilion with our flags draped over, going up the shire and having a little kiss with the trophy so I'm just envisaging things so yeah I think that would just be a great fixture and for some reason I've got a glowing feeling about that so yeah it'd be good yeah the 50 overs got a bit of an outground tour to it I noticed we're also playing Kent at Beckenham and again we played at Beckenham quite a bit in recent years but for whatever reason I haven't been able to make that so I'm going to get that one ticked off because it's a nice ground. Yeah, not too far from me. And then um, the other one that I think will be interesting is um, a trip to Neath to play Glamorgan. I've actually played, I don't know if it's the same ground, but I used to go on a cricket tour with the club I played for around the Neath and Swansea area. So I'd be quite interested to visit that one again. Um, but yeah, the Scarborough, when I saw we were drawn to play Yorkshire out there, I was like, well, that's a must. We're definitely going there. So I'm massively, massively looking forward to that one. And yeah, I think Warwickshire is normally an away trip I would do. My brother lives in Birmingham, not too far from the ground. So even if the season perhaps doesn't work out the way we're hoping, it's still something I'll go to because it's the last game of the season. And I always try and go to that because then there's no more cricket for six months. So that's uh, one I've penciled in right now. Sounds like a good plan. So the other things that we've been keeping an eye on this winter was the Under-19 World Cup. Our young under-19 player Tom Prest was the captain of the under-19 team and they reached the final. Unfortunately, the final didn't go to plan against India, who probably were the strongest side in the competition. But uh, England can be very proud of how they did, especially Tom with his performances along the way. Did you watch much of that, George or Amanda? Um, I saw a little bit of it. I'm just getting rid of all my sports packages um, so off the TV, So, which is not a good move, is it, when you're about heading into uh, England away and uh, 
all the domestic cricket season. But um, yeah, I did see a little bit of it. Um, every time I switched over to watch one of our matches, um, Tom Prest had already just got out, which was really frustrating. So sorry, <laughs> Tom, if that was my fault. But I saw, was it the semi-final that was bonkers? Mm. Oh, was, yeah. It was absolutely bonkers. And it's just like, oh, well, we've lost this. And then we managed to, you know, claw that back. So that was that was a bit crazy, but that was really exciting. And actually it was social media actually alerted me to that match that it was going a bit crazy. And um, so I just sort of like switched over and saw that and thought, oh, wow, that was really good. But yeah, Tom Press just looked, I mean, he was impressive anyway for Hampshire. He just looks good, doesn't he? Yeah, and you think with his captaincy, that he's captain under 19, that mm. could this be five years or 10 years from now, he'd be captaining Hampshire, leading them out of the Aegeus Bowl. England. England, maybe, yeah. <laughs> who, who knows? But uh, <laughs> Why not? Yeah, certainly possible. Yeah, he had a good breakthrough last season. His 50-over figures for Hampshire in the tournament last summer weren't perhaps the strongest. But again, this year, with the tournament being the similar format where the 100's going to take players away, then Tom will have another chance to improve on those figures a lot. So we'll hopefully see the best of him and he'll be someone we can talk about for years to come. Yeah, let's hope so. Look really good. Cool. And the other bit of Hampshire news from uh, the winter that uh, certainly had me looking in more detail at the proposed plans was the announcement that uh, the Aegeus Bowl was going to have some more development and now I love it as it is that uh, I feel like it's a real home now. You know, we've been there over 20 years now and there are people out there who perhaps criticise it for access reasons or just because it's not a particularly old ground. But development to bring, what is it, another hotel? Yeah, I don't understand that, but I'm not a financial person. So maybe it's not for me to understand, but that's yeah. three on the site now. That's right. There'll be three hotels on site. I mean, one obviously isn't part of the Aegeus Bowl, the Holiday Inn, slightly down the road as you come up Marshall Way. But um, there's also going to be a number of houses built, if I'm right. And the idea behind this development seems to be about trying to raise money and be more self-sustainable. Rod Bransgrove has made it public, if you like, that he would like to reduce his involvement and I think it's probably wise for Hampshire to perhaps not look to rely on him so much. What are your thoughts, George? Yeah, I agree with that. I think I mean, Rod has been the most amazing advocate for Hampshire for many, many years. And I think this is him helping to secure the future of us uh, as a club. What we've always done at Hampshire and what's always enticed me to us is, I think with the, the disruptors in the game, you know, we're the only ones who created a modern purpose-built venue, which I think has now become loved by the general consensus. Uh, I think it's, a, you wanted to create a modern arena for true cricket lovers to go and watch the game. You'd probably end up designing something like the bowl, I think now. Uh, I think it just works. But what this will do, I think, is take it to the next level. In a way, COVID, one of the very few positives about the pandemic is it did showcase what we can do as a ground and that we are fit for international level cricket. I think that will stand us in good stead. Rod has made no secret of the fact that he would have loved us to get that Ashes test, for us to get that recognition that we probably deserved. But this isn't really about that. This is about the club and about caring about the club. This will secure our future 
and it will also enhance the fan experience. I I think at first we didn't see it coming, did we? We were like, oh, what's going on here? But having delved into it, I'm sure we've all looked at the plans and thought about it. I just think this is another really wise way of showing that Hampshire are now thinking so far into the future and trying to secure the future of the club we love. And you've just got to be positive about that. And I think it's going to be great. And I can't wait to see what it looks like. And a new pavilion as well. It's like we're getting a load of goodies at Christmas <laughs> Day come early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the executive yeah. club or the members area will hopefully be um, the place to be in years to come. I must admit, my yeah. my only slight reservation is obviously with inflation and stuff like that, that is this project too big? Could we get ourselves into trouble trying to finance it? That yes, there's going to be a payoff once it's built and people buy the houses and so on. But I'd be, I'm a little bit concerned that perhaps it is overreaching ourselves. A- any sort of thoughts on that? Yeah, maybe, but I might put my name down for one of the retirement flats. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you know, as long as I take dogs, obviously. Um, so, yeah you, yeah, you just don't know with a development like that, do you? But, I mean, houses are just springing up all over the place. And so you can't blame anybody for jumping on the bandwagon, really, and developing around the grounds. And when you have a look, particularly, like, on the... Um, on the blast when it's televised and you have a look around all the different grounds and the ones that have got flats and apartments and stuff overlooking the grounds you can sort of see the attraction of doing mm. a development like that um and you can see the attraction of living somewhere like that as well um as long as you don't get a ball hit in your balcony um or it plops <laughs> I mean, in it's certainly a lottery win would be a purchase of one of the flats something like that i think if i had a lottery yeah. win yeah, I mean, I think my retirement flat will be like a, a studio apartment, the, the cheapest bit of the development around the back somewhere. But, you know, if you can walk to the grounds and uh, if we d- you do a deal and you get membership included in your sale price, you know, I'm there for that. But, yeah, it's it, yeah. I mean, I suppose there's so much going on at the moment. You think I'm, I can't even get my head around the financial ramifications for Hampshire on this development. Um, but, yeah, you know, fingers crossed that it isn't a, it isn't a, a silly financial thing to do for a club because, you know, we love our club. We love the grounds. We wouldn't want anything to happen. Um, let's just assume that, you know, they've done all the um, financial checking and the due diligence and they mm. know what they're doing. And, um, you know, and maybe it's going to be incremental staged, you know, um, works. So you know, they'll do something and then sort the finance out before they move on to the next bit. But, mm. yeah. Uh, yeah, potentially. Spec- I can see why they've done it. Accumulate. Yeah, it it does seem like, you know, it does make sense, but it is just a concern because, again, if you remember that Hampshire building the bowl did get into a lot of trouble. And ironically, that was actually what caused Rod Bransgrove to step in to effectively save the club. So it's just a bit concerned that Mm. history could repeat itself there. But hopefully, you know, these are clever people. They seem to know what they're doing around this but you know events and things could overtake them that's the only thing to perhaps be cautious about yeah absolutely and fingers crossed it doesn't and we can just concentrate on the cricket for the next you know for the next few months and just forget about everything else including our financial woes individually and as a club as well but yeah um yeah fingers crossed they know what they're doing and it you know it works out well for the the club and the ground but yeah Fun times. Okay, so we're going to wrap up very shortly. So I think as our sort of 
everything we've talked about, new signings, our optimism is sky high. So let's just do a quick straw poll, quick prediction. George, 50 over competition, where do you, what's your prediction for how we'll do? Give us a round or a... I think 50 over nowadays, it's the hardest to predict, isn't it? Because we don't quite know who's going to be in the squad because we've got to wait for the 100 draft. Uh, I do think, though, that Hampshire are really going back to our old school sort of academy method where we are producing some great players like we did in the Vinci and Dawson days. We've seen it with Tom Press being the the leading example, um, young John Turner as well. Uh, I honestly think it's a bit of a luck of the draw, but I would certainly expect us to get into the knockout stages of the 50 over um, as, as a bare minimum on that. Yeah, agree. And I'm assuming um, my favourite, Carl Abbott, will, will be captaining again. Um, so, yeah, mm. I think we, we should be doing that. That We should be aiming for that. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we will. Um, again, you, you're quite right, George, that it is a hard one to predict because you don't know the strength of the team that we'd be able to put out and you don't know the strength of the oppositions that will be put out as well. Um I think we'll just do a bit better than last year. I think we won three, lost four, had one washed out. So it'd perhaps be nice to win four or five games and then we tipped it into winning more than we lose. So that would be my prediction there for the 50 over, that it's a, a slight improvement on last year, but perhaps not enough to progress. T20, Manda, where do you think we do. Will we be going to Edgbaston again? Well, I'd like us to go to Edgbaston, definitely. Uh, we need to be getting to finals day. Um, yeah, fingers crossed I get there as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, we I, we can't be aiming for anything less than finals day. Sorry, but <laughs> it's got to be it's got to be finals day. George? Yeah, I agree with Amanda wholeheartedly on that. I think what they're doing is, I think the players know there's an expectation of Hampshire now. And I think with the T20, it will be drummed into them the importance of going as far as possible. I don't predict finals day because I think it's one of the most unpredictable things in cricket. But getting to there should be a certainty. And doing it, or at least getting to the knockout stages with a little bit more ease and not losing the first five games uh, and doing the most improbable path to finals day that will probably never, ever be repeated again by any club. But yeah, I think we have to be aiming high for that and with another marquee signing probably on the way that would be good I don't know what will happen on finals day but I certainly will not be surprised and wouldn't bat an eyelid if we were there and that's what I'm expecting yeah I'd go along with that I got full expectation of being at finals day at the moment quite right to suggest that you just don't know what's going to happen when you get there we've got to win a semi there someday and hopefully <laughs> It's this year. Maybe the um, the fact that it's been moved too early in the season might help us. I don't know. So mm. finals day, I think we're... Is that three votes for finals day? Yeah, yes. definitely. So um, if we get nowhere near, then you can laugh at all three of us. And then finally, the big one, the championship. <laughs> Give us a position between first and tenth. I thought you were going to say a position between first and first. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> <laughs> because you I think you two are like the supreme optimists I'd love yeah I mean I, I want us to win it of course I do yeah I, always okay. head, a head prediction and a heart prediction <laughs> yeah a heart prediction is always going to be first isn't it yeah always 
winning the championship. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, I think we've done everything we can with in terms of our signings and looking at our team balance. So, well, do we want to come second? No, uh, top two, is that even worth not, saying? Not again, not again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it depends what sort of second, you know, if it's a second, but whoever wins it is miles clear, then fine, so be it. But if it's a one-wicket defeat again, oh. then uh, <laughs> I, d- I don't know what I'll do. But Don't worry, we'll, we'll be there for you. <laughs> <laughs> George, what's your yeah. prediction? I think we know. <laughs> Well, I mean, the only thing with my head is that I do get slightly worried that we did a typical Hampshire of two top-class stellar performances at the beginning of the season and a slight slide down the table. Mm. But if I'm going to be completely honest, I, I do truly believe that this is the greatest potential Red Bull squad we built in my lifetime as a Hampshire fan on paper. And I know we don't win anything on paper, but seriously, I've never been more excited about watching a side play um and you know I, I would love to say we're going to win it and I think we would deserve to win it more than any other county at the moment uh, given what the effort we put into it how we were so nearly there last year and we've revolutionized ourselves as a Red Bull side we were the laughing stock of Red Bull for many years when I first got into being a Hampshire fan and, and now we're sort of becoming innovators again so I think we deserve to be in the hunt I would love to win it But either way, we are going to be competitive this season. I can feel that. We definitely are. And we're going to be competitive in all three formats, guys. We've got to be. And and if we achieve that, along with the new development, along with the new signings, the recruitment process, then there's never been a more positive time to be a Hampshire fan. I think we can all agree and celebrate in that. But we're going to win it. We're going to win it. (laughs) Big party in Birmingham. Yeah, Everybody knows my thoughts. I think we'll win it as well. But obviously there's always a but. It's it's back to the more traditional format of 14 games. It'll be across that rather than what we had last year, which was a group stage effectively, and then a mini league at the end. It's a different ball game to be on top after 14 games rather than after four or five, whatever it was uh, last year. So that's, I think, the thing that's trying to keep a lid on it, that it's performing across 14 games. You've got to have a lot go your way. You don't win the championship through luck. Abbas and Abbott need to be fit for, you know, 10 of the games. They've probably got to pay 10 games together for us probably to get Probably the same close. with Barker as well, a fit, a fit <laughs> Barker. Would be, although, I mean, he missed the first four games of the season last year and became the bowler of the season. So, yeah. And the batsman as well. <laughs> <laughs> All round. And the fielder. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm hugely, hugely optimistic. So I, I'll be like heart first, head top three. But it, again, it's like the end of 2019, we had a decent end to the season and 2020 season obviously never happened in the way that we expected. I was really excited at that point that we were going to give it a real go. And I actually think that we're slightly stronger now. Mm, So there's good reason to have optimism. It may well work out differently, but I also look at some of the other squads that are out there and kind of think, well, we're as good as any of them. You know, people have made good signings elsewhere. They've got good overseas recruitment. 
you know some of the teams you expect to be up there like Essex and perhaps Somerset things like that but I think man for man we're, we're as good as they are so why can't we win it yeah absolutely let's give it a go we've never been stronger I would say and I think it, this is our time I'm telling you now we're doing it we are doing it <laughs> Sorry, there's been times where perhaps we've had as good a squad, but other teams have been much stronger, whereas I'm now I'm looking at us as with equals of everyone. You know, there's nobody I particularly fear. Obviously, Essex, I think, are going to be one of the teams to be. If we can beat them when we play them, then that'll go a long way. And they're actually what could fall into our favour is that because it's gone a bit of a funny system that we've got 10 teams in the league and you don't play everyone twice. Mm. Um, We don't play Essex twice. And that could be a big thing for us because in 2019, we beat them at the bowl to start the season. We're all really optimistic. And then midway through the summer, we got properly beaten up at Chelmsford. So just playing them once um, massively helps us, I think. Yeah, that might help. And as you say, it's about the consistency, isn't it? We need to be consistent throughout the whole championship because of the format. But I do predict, uh, like my misery guts head on, that like by the end of April, beginning of May, we'll be all sat there moaning about the state of our batting. But then everybody does that about their team, exactly. don't they? Yeah, <laughs> as, as long as everybody, yeah, as long as everybody's moaning about their batting and our bowling's brilliant, that's absolutely fine. I don't care as long as we're winning. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, you you don't win it in the first few games the championship won't be won by the end of may as much they did we would have won about 10 championships if that was the case (laughs) wouldn't we yeah it's just to be sort of be the end of may just be close by just be in the in the leading pack and that'll be enough absolutely cool so i hope you've enjoyed our roundup of what's been going on the winter We'll be back through the season to talk over each game and see how it's going and perhaps big up our predictions and how right we were or gloss over our predictions and how wrong we were. But we hope to speak to you all soon. Thanks very much for listening. You can find us on Twitter. I'm Ian Pierce 100 or at Hans Fan Podcast. George? I'm uh, at... Uh, muck muck menemy <laughs> uh, Mike Charlie Mike Mike Charlie Mike Echo November Echo Mike Yankee so uh, get me on there and if you want to hear a really biased Hampshire fan go on and ramble about his obsession with cricket then I'm your man <laughs> and I'm at Cricket Manda and I might just stick to dogs at cricket photos to be honest <laughs> that's what I might do for, for this uh, this season uh, and then you can't go far wrong there it's just about my dog <laughs> Yeah, so if you get us on there, we'll be looking forward to speaking to you throughout the season and um, hopefully reporting on a very successful 2022. But until next time, that's all from us. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.